Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 161 of the beers and bible podcast i am anthony and i am michael and we are happy to be with you for another week of the beers and bible podcast um it's been a week uh <laughs> feels like it's been two weeks man <laughs> it has and we just recorded like sunday too yes we so did that's, yeah that's twice this week to get caught up yeah and it's like this week's just been crazy so Ugh. uh i don't think there's anything to catch up on <laughs> i i really don't think we have anything <laughs> Nothing. The only thing that's happened between Sunday and Wednesday is work. Like that's that's I feel like I've slept, worked, mm-hmm. come home, slept, yep. worked. Like that that I feel like that's all I've done for like four days straight. Yeah. Well, that's same boat. I'm well, looking for I'm looking forward to the weekend, honestly. Me too, man. So my wife's what? gonna be out tomorrow night. Oh. For like a, a so we do classical conversations with homeschool. Yeah. And all of the moms in our group are getting together and they're going out. So it's just gonna be me and the kids at home. Uh-huh. And I'm gonna be it's it's been like 75 here every day this week too. Yeah. So it was it was 82 degrees yesterday here. Nice. It was gorgeous. It's almost weather. perfect. It is almost it's it's almost like too hot for February. Perfect, yeah. I got out. what July's gonna bring. It was 82 <laughs> degrees. And I'm like, it's February. What are we doing? Like, what is going on? Hey, Pucks and Tony Phil, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> that Joker lied to us anyway. <laughs> so, but we're gonna keep rolling. We're gonna keep doing the uh, we're doing what we what are we doing? We're gonna keep doing what we're doing here on the podcast. <laughs> we're we're gonna do the same old song and dance. We're gonna drink beer and we're gonna talk about the Bible. That's what we're yeah. gonna do. <laughs> Dang right, we are. So um Anthony, I'll intro my beer because you actually had this beer um, a long, long time ago. Um, It is the Peanut Butter Porter from Back 40. Um, Oh, yeah. You had this back episode 87, um, and you gave it five Luthers. You gave it five Luthers. So I'm I'm excited about it. Um, I realized as I was walking into the house today. So I, I don't think I've told, I don't think I've said shared this on the podcast on the podcast. But a couple of weeks ago, we had a uh, peanut allergy scare in our house. Um, like little kiddo had to go to the hospital because we tried giving him peanut butter just to just to see. Yeah, and he had a very severe allergic reaction. Oh, that's not so, good. No, not at all. So and uh, and then I'm walking into the house and I go, huh. I cannot have peanut butter in the house. Like he's not going to touch the beer, obviously, because he's nine <laughs> months old. But you know, this may be the only way I can enjoy peanut butter for <laughs> the foreseeable future. So the peanut butter porter from Back Forty. Um, I'm looking to see if there's any info about it. Hang on, I had it pulled up. Uh, Dude, I remember 
when I bought this one, this is that crazy store that I went to. Yes, this is the nuts <laughs> store. Yes. Um, 10.5% ABV, 40 IBUs. Yeah, it's strong. Um, I still have one left, too. <laughs> nice. Uh, Back40beer.com has it described as, it's creamy, it's big, it's just what it sounds like. Brewed with crushed peanuts and a malt bill thick enough to slather on some bread. Peanut mm. butter porter belongs on your grocery list right next to the jelly, bananas, and bacon. Comfort food in a can. So, I think I'm going to go get that tomorrow and drink it. <laughs> Dude, if this is any good, I may get another one out. Like ten and a half ABV doesn't scare me at all. But anyway. <laughs> not um, anymore. <laughs> no. So that is what I'm drinking: the peanut butter porter from Back Forty. Back Forty, nice. Uh, well, tonight I have uh, from a new brewery. This is the Singing River Brewing Company in Florence, Alabama. If you're familiar with Muscle Shoals in Florence and Leonard Skinnerd and Sweet Home Alabama, you know that lots of records are made in Florence, Alabama. Uh, but this is the Bama Breeze Burliner Weiss. It's a wheat mm. ale made with tropical fruit. Um, I've, I, you know, this these remind me kind of like sours. Uh, I remember way back when what this one made me think of is the Goat Island uh, Blood Orange Burliner Weiss that mm. I did a while back that I really enjoyed. Um, that I've actually had on tap a couple of times since then, and it is way better on tap than it is out of a can. Which is pretty much the standard for all beer. I was about to say, pretty much, every, I don't know of any beer that's better in a can or in a bottle than it would be on tap. This is true. I will I will say this, though. If your bartender doesn't know how to pour beer out of a tap, he can actually ruin it for you. And I've had that's that true. happen. So they they don't allow the beer to foam up at all. Like, they try to keep no foam on it. And they think putting more beer in the glass is good and i'm like no foam that junk man let it breathe let it get that's what brings out the good flavors in the good beer so anyway well we we should drink some beer let's do it let's do it here we go three two one crack Mm, smell test is on point Ooh, that's that smells like a jar of peanut butter Dude, if I'm remembering this thing correctly, it is so good. So good. It also looks like a can of peanut, like just a jar of peanut butter. Yes, it does. It looks like a Jif yeah. can. This stuff is super carbonated. It is like. Oh, my. That is straight <laughs> peanut butter. <laughs> and I, I, the peanut butter stuff's got done pretty well here. Yes, it has. Peanut butter jelly. The no crust, you know, funky boot brewing. I'm so sad. (laughs) I'm gonna look look at words, funky Buddha. (laughs) Uh, We need to have words because uh, you need to bring back the no crusts and you need to ship it nationwide to all people um, to show your love for the people you make beer for. Come on, funky Buddha, help us out. Because that's what we're about. Dude, this I'm thing on, looks. I'm on it about smells. That they, they this thing smells like it. a sour. It's only 4% ABV. Hmm. So it's weak. So you could, dude, this is like the perfect beach beer based off the smell. All right. I'm ready when you are. Yeah, man. I'm ready. Let's turn um, these things up and drink them. I was kind of chasing a 
funky Buddha rabbit, but I'm back. I'm back now. So <laughs> you're back now. Back to peanut butter. Yeah, let, let's go. Bottoms up. Cheers. I hope it's as good as I thought it was. Now, now I want to know what are you going to do? What are you going to give it? Why don't you go ahead? Okay, I'll go. Um, so this is really good. It, it's actually maybe this is what a Berliner Weiss is. Like, I think of when I think of a wheat ale, I think of uh, Blue Moon, like mm-hmm. that, because that's, that's kind of the first wheat ale that I ever had. Yeah. And so I always think of that consistency and that texture as kind of like, for me, it's a standard for, for wheat ales. This is more along the lines of a consistency and a texture of a, um, a tart or a sour. Mm-hmm. And it actually has the flavor more of a tart or a sour. Okay. It's really good. I like it. The, the flavor blending is good. You can, I can get kind of in the aftertaste, I can get the, um, the wheat ale kind of aftertaste. So it's there. I, I know that's, that's what it Maybe I don't know. Maybe a Berliner Weiss is kind of this mixture of, Sarah, I've, I've never researched what they actually are, mm-hmm. but this is really good. Um, the flavor is good. It's got, to me, it's got just enough kind of tartness in it um, with the balance of the fruit and the fruits that are in it are like passion fruit, orange and guava. So I'm expecting like an orange juice flavored mm-hmm. um, sweetness with the tart or for from like the passion fruit. So all of that balance together is actually really good. Um with that though, it's it's not quite a five Luther beer to to me. Um, mm-hmm. It just doesn't like it doesn't have that that punch that puts it at five Luthers. But man, all day long, I'll give this thing four and a half Luthers. This is a really wow. good beer. Awesome. This is really good. The flavors there. I'm probably going to end up drinking more than one of these tonight because it's only four percent. So if I drink two, I'm still two percent under you. So <laughs> if I have one, yeah, if you have one. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, that's me. So, that's the uh, the so Bama going, Breeze. You went four and a half, huh? Mm-hmm. Cool. It's good. So tell me how the peanut butter stacked up. So I wish the peanut butter flavor was stronger. Okay. Um, it's very much a porter. It has that like very traditional. Porter flavor, porter texture. Um, it is pretty strong. Uh, I can, I, I will probably need to slow down a little bit. <laughs> Those first three sips, you're trying to get like all the flavors and stuff in. So you're like, yep. what am I tasting here? Um, I went back and looked um, at what I've historically given porters. Mm-hmm. And most of the porters I've given, and this is, this is going to sound maybe bizarre because you gave this five Luthers. I cannot give this more than three and a half. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and that's like, I'm feeling a little generous. I feel like, like, I feel like I could almost go down to three if I wanted to, but I'll give it three and a half. Um, it's definitely like that peanut butter creamy. Mm-hmm. Um, Peanut butter flavors there is just not as strong. It is for a hundred percent a porter, tastes like just like a porter should. Um, but I mean, I'm gonna have to max out at three and a half Luthers on this thing. 
Now I'm gonna have to go back and drink the one I have left and be like, was that stupid? Was I off my rocker that night? Well, well also remember that was a year ago. So the one you have, like all the stuff is like settled down in the bottom or it, it doesn't matter. So I'm gonna I'm gonna shake it up. It's gonna be really good. It's like 12% ABV now. <laughs> so I think that's I think this is probably more me than anything. Mm-hmm. Um I just I'm not a huge fan of this one which is kind of a bummer because i've seen this can i've seen this can at packer stores for years and mm-hmm. i've ne- and i never you know i've always seen it like man that's kind of an that's in- interesting yeah but uh like three and a half out of five is i mean and i feel like we like rehash this every couple of weeks three and a three and a half is not bad it's just not yeah. great and i'm probably never gonna buy it again so <laughs> you've got the ones you got and that's going to be it. <laughs> yeah. The back 40 is getting a lot of our money. We've had, uh, in the last few weeks we've had, uh, I had a back 40. When was that? You had one last week. Yep. And I had one. Eh, it's been a few months now. And it was, that one was bad too. The one you had last week. Oh yeah, yeah it was. This one wasn't bad. It just <laughs> wasn't great. It was just good. It's maybe, not bad. It's just not good. <laughs> maybe I need. We were talking about smoking before. Um, maybe this needs a pipe or something. I think we should scientifically test this. The Beers and Bible podcast will be right back after we go smoke a pipe and drink a peanut butter porter. <laughs> Got to go outside because our wives won't let us smoke inside. <laughs> just kidding. This will be that'll be an experiment. We. To handle at another time. So that's right. Uh, the Bama Breeze Burliner YC getting four and a half Luthers out of Anthony from mm-hmm. uh, Singing River Brewing, and the Peanut Butter Porter from Back Forty getting three and a half out of five from me tonight. There is our beer review, and after this short break, we are going to keep on rolling. We're going to move on to the next book of the Bible that we're walking through, which is the book of Joel. Um. It's a great book. It's a short book. So that means our episode tonight will probably be short. <laughs> You're um, welcome. <laughs> we'll see. We're, we're yet to be determined. So let's stick around. Not, Anthony may end up cussing again tonight. You never know. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> so stick around. We'll be right back after this short break. And we will go through the book of Joel. To the beers and Bible podcast, that it didn't just make it. It didn't make a noise. Oh, it did on my end. <laughs> I didn't hear it. So anyway, Anthony has cracked open another beer. Um, this was pretty good. I'm gonna stick with the one I had, mainly because I want to drink something stronger when we're done. Stronger than ten and a half ABV. Yes, I know. So anyway, <laughs> um, so tonight Joel is what we're going to be uh, discussing and walking through. It's a short book, only three chapters, just like Billy Joel. Um, Yes, Billy Joel. Have you ever have you ever heard that Jim Gaffigan bit? No, I have not. We're gonna have, I'm gonna look that up after we get done. He goes to Ireland. I love Jim Gaffigan. He goes to Ireland, and the uh, 
Irish guy or Scotland, one of them. I know it's a big difference, but I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> um, but he says something about like Billy Joel being there, and he's like, "Oh, is Billy Joel famous?" And it's Billy Joel, but just the way they say it. Anyway, um, so Joel, um, Joel, let's get set up as we walk through this. So Joel is possibly from the Southern Kingdom uh, because he is very concerned uh, with the area of Judah and Jerusalem. Um, Otherwise, there's not a ton known about Joel. We don't Mm -hmm. really know exactly anything about him, except for he might be from the Southern Kingdom. Um, Speaking of not knowing much, uh, we're not really sure when this was written. Joel's kind of a black sheep among the prophets a little bit. You got to remember, like, there's like 500 prophets. That's fair. But, you know, and only like 15 of them made it into the Bible. (laughs) Well, of the 15 that make it into the Bible, he's a black sheep. Um, Yes. (laughs) So timeline isn't really isn't really clear for Joel. Could be around the time of the second exile, which is around 590 B.C. It could also be up to or even after 500 B.C. So that's really not clear. (laughs) Um it's, there's, this is like when you're saying I'll be there at one, and you show up at like one fifty eight. Yeah, and you're like I'm here at one. There's a one. <laughs> I'm at Central Time. <laughs> I'm two minutes early. You back off. Um, gosh, we're anyway, getting distracted tonight. We are. Sorry, it's, it's sorry. Um, so uh, Joel is calling for repentance after a plague of locusts, which we will see. Um, is Potentially a literal plague, but also could be a metaphorical one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into that later. Um, and then God's response to uh, God's response is to twofold response here. Um, <laughs> there is a promise of mercy and an outpouring of a spirit, um, mm-hmm. but also, like we've seen in some of the other prophets, there is a day of judgment coming on the nations. So God is yep. good <clears throat> and merciful, and and will out will pour out a spirit. Also, God will judge the nations for their sin, for their rebellion, um, for the things that they've done in a broken covenant mm-hmm. with God. So and as we go through Joel here, the some things to keep in mind for emphasis, um, the day of judgment, which is which is coming, um, the chastening of those whom God loves. Um that and that's you know, Joel's calling these people to repentance. Um, and uh, something else here is showing mercy to God's people is the way that Israel kept the covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that that's pretty self-explanatory, I think. Um, and then that God is sovereign over all nations and will judge not just all the nations, but He will judge the ones who lack mercy specifically. Yes. So, um. That's uh we kind of set up the back that's the backdrop of Joel, what's going on. Um let's get into the overview. What we got. So as we talk about Joel, we know that there's there's really not a specific date. So it's it's really hard to contextually understand Joel. Yeah. Okay. Um you almost kind of this is gonna sound really terrible because we always tell you not to do this, but you almost have to like pull Joel out. And and try to just kind of read Joel for what it is because it's not a long book; it's three chapters, mm-hmm. and 
it's just these series of a couple of visions uh, that Joel has about the day of the Lord. It's very, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, it's a lot like the end of Daniel. It's very eschatological, which means it focuses on the end times, the, the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. Um, and so there are a lot of folks who read Joel in a very analogical way. Mm-hmm. And they try to analogize, or they try to meta metaphor, make metaphors out of everything, um, because of the way Joel is. Okay, and that's possible. I mean, that's that's definitely a way that you can read Joel. That's not the way I would read Joel. Um, but you you have to remember that if you're going to do that, then you you have to apply that you know, kind of consistently across scripture, which makes it tough to do. So mm-hmm. um, I think that that this is, you know, we have to just say this is a, a literal prophet with literal oracles from God to Judah, Jerusalem, um, the southern kingdom. And, and you just kind of have to take them for what they are and not try to shoehorn them into a specific meaning. And that, that I realize that sounds really terrible, but like, um, or, or or you don't try to shoehorn it into a specific context to try to make it fit something. Just read it for what it is and try to understand it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Okay? Because the focus of Joel is going to be the day of the Lord. So, like, you almost have to keep that rolling through your mind, like, this vision about the the locust and this this thing happening is pointing towards the day of the Lord. Okay. Everything is kind of pointing towards the day of the Lord. And, and of course, what is the day of the Lord? It's a great day of judgment and restoration at the same time. And that's what we're going to see in Joel is like these judgments immediately followed with restoration. Mm-hmm. And so the motif of this day of the Lord concept is going to flow all the way through the entire book. Okay. And if we want to focus on something, we we should focus on Joel's presupposed covenant relationship between God and Israel. He never really says it, but it's kind of baked into the way the oracles play out. You see the cycles, you see everything happen uh, in these scenes that we're going to kind of walk through. All of these scenes that we walk through uh, are going to, are going to lay out this judgment. Something's going to happen. And then there's like this promised restoration, this call to repentance, um, this Deuteronomic cycle that we've that we've talked about over and over and over again almost gets played out in a lot of these these stories. Mm-hmm. Okay, so kind of kind of put all of that into your mind and understand judgment, chastening, repentance, restoration. All of that's kind of so circling throughout all of these stories. So. The very first scene, basically all of chapter one, the intro doesn't really set up anything for us, doesn't tell us a whole lot. And so the very first scene starts in verse two and goes through the end of of chapter one. And you have the plague of the locusts. um, And then immediately following that, you have this summons to repentance. Okay. Um, And it's interesting here that it says, instead of starting what we would think a normal prophecy or oracle coming from God, you know, thus says the Lord. That's kind of what we're used to hearing. Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, even parts of Daniel. You have this concept of thus says the Lord. Joel just comes out and he's like, hey, y'all, listen up. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you something. Hear this. 
hear this right now, you know, and, and it's, it's a, it kind of sets a little different tone for the entire book. That's going to carry through the entire book. It almost, it almost sets like a sense of urgency. Yes. Which, I mean, relate that to the day of the Lord. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause with, you know, where it says like, thus say is the Lord, or, you know, there's almost like this reverence yeah. behind, behind that kind of phrasing. And Joel here, he's saying, hear this. Yeah. Makes it feel like what he's got to say is very urgent. Not to say that the other prophets aren't urgent <clears throat> and don't have, you know, uh, they're not trying to get the message out quickly. Yeah. But it's almost like Joel's like, hey, y'all are running out of time. Yeah. And if if you've ever listen. had, <clears throat> if you've ever had that, like that friend, and this is going to be terrible, but if you've been in college and you've had that friend who loves to party a little bit too much and get drunk, which is a sin, we're okay with saying that. You you have to when it when it's time to get up the next morning, you're like, "Hey, wake up!" You know, you're like slapping him across the face, throw him in the shower with cold <laughs> throw water, in the shower. Yeah. Like you're doing doing something to jar them awake, and that's that's almost the the tone or the language um, that you that Joel is using here. Mm-hmm. It's like he's shaking them, trying to wake them up. Like, get up! You know, you you've been asleep for too long. You got to wake up. Um, Which is, and, it's a really interesting analogy because he uses the like imagery of junk drunkards. Yeah, verse five. In verse five, <laughs> it's almost like you were. So, so it made me that think up. of that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it made me think of that. Um, but he's gonna he's gonna tell them, hey, there's a plague of locusts. It's gonna wipe out all of Israel and everything that's around you. Um, and he uses that as a summons to repentance. And everything, all of these oracles, all of these judgments, all of these plagues that are happening in the book of Joel are geared towards summoning people to repentance, which as Christians, you know, that's a that's an application that we can take. You know, everything that we do, it's okay to be doom and gloom, but you have to be doom and gloom with the purpose of calling people to repentance. Yeah. You know, um, you you have to frame it. You can't just be like, you're going to burn in hell. You're going to die. You know, you, you can't do that. You say, man, if you don't turn from your sin and repent, then yes, there is some bad stuff coming for you. And I'm not trying to scare you, but Jesus is calling Jesus. And, and, and it gives you the opportunity to share the gospel. It gives you the opportunity to open the door for God to work. You're not opening the door. God can open the door, but um, you are being the conduit through which God can reach people. Mm-hmm. And so, so it is, it's frame it, frame it that way. When you think about reading the book of Joel, all of these opportunities are, are summons to call people to repentance, which is right. what Jesus came to do in the new Testament. Yeah. So the prophets serve as a archetype of what Jesus was going to come to do too. So that's kind of like the first scene. Walk us through the next scene, a couple of scenes, which is so, like pretty much all of chapter two. <clears throat> yeah. So chapter two is two scenes. Um, scene two is uh, God's invading army, um, and then uh, scene three is God's response, uh, the promise of plenty. Uh, and here we see that the tables kind of get turned a little bit because God's now envisioned as the one bringing the attack on Israel. Yeah. Which is. Kind of unique in the prophets because 
a lot of the prophets have been talking a lot about um, other nations being the ones that bring the attacks on Israel and yeah. God being faithful and just and uh, will judge those nations. But now it's almost like God himself is the one bringing the war to Israel. Yeah. Um, and in the midst of the attack here, Israel still expects God's defense, which is kind of ironic, I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, because if it weren't for Israel's uh, sin against God, they wouldn't need defense from God. Kind mm-hmm. of a weird uh, thing to think about. Um, but uh, here we see that Scripture immediately turns to focus on God's deliverance mm-hmm. right after describing his judgment. And yeah. so he's gonna, he judges the nation and then he's going to deliver them. Yeah. And it's like they're those two things happen back to back. It mm-hmm. it, it reminds me a lot of um in Genesis when you know Adam and Eve sins, they've cover cover themselves um out of their shame from, <clears throat> uh, from their nakedness. And God, you know, once he not that he had to find out because he knew, but once he Adam and Eve admitted to their sin. God immediately, he judged them, and then he covered them. Yeah. He, he made a sacrifice and covered them with cloth, with uh, clothing. <clears throat> kind of a similar thing here is that, um, you know, God's going to deliver them, deliver mm-hmm. Israel, but it happens right after His judgment. Yeah. Um, these oracles here, um, there is the. Uh, Oh gosh, eschatological idea of future judgment. Um, eschatological, eschatological. <laughs> Anthony says the big words bigger than I do. Um, so uh, future judgment coming, um, and this mm-hmm. should help uh, modern readers understand that even though God comes in great wrath and judgment, um, it's more like a refiner's fire for the people and the land. Yeah. Um, God's judgment <clears throat> is for the good of his people it's for Mm um it's for benefit there's um there's good things that can come out of judgment and it's not all doom and gloom yeah um and judgment is a it's a deserved um deserved oh what's the word I struggle with words all the time. <laughs> struggle with thinking of the right word. It's like a deserved consequence of your yeah. of your actions. Mm-hmm. Is God's judgment is a deserved consequence of your actions. Um because of Jesus we don't have to take on that judgment. We don't we're not you know subject to to that, but um you know God, God's judgment is still present, and God's judgment is still for good, you know, for our good, for uh, us to grow and to be more like Him. Yeah. You know, it's uh, a lot of times when we think about judgment, um, we, we say things like, oh, if you accept Jesus, you're going to escape judgment. And while I understand the sentiment behind that, um, I think it paints a false picture for what people theologically should expect. And 
you know, as as I read through scripture, and and this is this is part of the reason that I have I have such an issue with uh, what's called the dispensational view of of eschatology, the second coming of Christ. So the the classical, I guess, dispensational view is that God deals with uh, in different dispensations. He deals with His people differently. So like the Old Testament. In the Noahic covenant, he had a way that he dealt with them. In the Davidic covenant, he had a way that he dealt with them. And I think there's a total of like in dispensational, and I think there's seven total dispensations. And right now they're saying we're in the church age, and God is dealing with the church in a certain specific way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of I'm, it's like a two minute overview because I'm I'm setting it up to to say this. As you read scripture, I don't think there's ever a time when even even in the classical dispensational frame there there's never a time where god removes his people from any type of trial or tribulation or anything right. like that so you know this this idea that we have the what's called the pre-tribulational premillennial return of christ you know you have this rapture that happens and all of the church disappears off the earth while seven years of tribulation happen. And then there's the second coming of Christ. As I read through scripture, I don't see a single place where that happens. And so to me, that breaks down the entire system because, because if you, if you, if you're saying that God has to deal with with the church this way, because of the sacrifice of Christ, um, then, then I think you're basically disregarding all of scripture up until that point. Mm. And you're saying that God is changing, which means that God is mutable, which means that God is not God. Because if somebody, if something is mutable, if something changes, that means it's not perfect. You can't change from a perfect status to another type of perfect status. Mm. One of those statuses is imperfect. And so if God is perfect in every way at all time, then God does not, and by definition, cannot change. And so when you read through Scripture and you see this this constant narrative of God being with his people, God walking with his people in the wilderness, God being with Israel as they were in exile two different times, God being with the church, you know, read, read church history, and I think it's pretty clear to understand that God has never protected the church from martyrs and and you know if you claim the name of Jesus you're not just this magically protected person you know what I mean right mm-hmm. and so it reminds it actually reminds me of a song by Hillsong called another in the fire and they have the chorus mm-hmm. of the song says there's another in the fire standing next to me there was another in the waters holding back the seas the thing I like about this this song theologically speaking, is it's not saying there's another in the fire removing me from the fire. You're right. still in the fire. There's just somebody right. there with you. You're still right. in the ocean. There's just somebody there with you. And and it, and then the, the third line says, and should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free? There's a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. Yeah. And I, I, you know, poetically, I, I love the way the, the, the song sings, but Theologically, that's it. That's exactly what Scripture teaches from Genesis all the way up until what we've gone through today, and what it's going to continue to teach all the way through Revelation. Yeah, is that 
God's not going to remove you from tribulation and trial, but he is going to be with you through tribulation and trial. And if anything that that Joel teaches us, I think that's really kind of the, the main draw that you can pull out of Joel is that, yeah, there's going to be plagues. There's going to be judgment. There's, there's things that are going to happen, and you have to be prepared for them, and you have to trust in God through all of those things. Right. You know? Um, and so I say all of that to set up the last chapter of Joel, um, which is a whole lot to, to just set up the last chapter of Joel. But you see in chapter three, you see the final scene and you have God's response to really all that's happened in Joel so far. Um, you have the final judgment uh, on the nations. And then at the end of that, again, you have this turning and you have the future blessing, the promise of restoration. Mm-hmm. And and okay, so each time we've had this judgment, and then we've had this promise, judgment, promise, judge, judgment, promise, and we're kind of paralleling this theme again. So once more, you have God's judgments described, um, and then there's a time. This time, He's actually focusing on the nations instead of Israel themselves. Remember, in chapter two, you just talked about God actually bringing judgment onto Israel, Israel itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, now He's spreading the the judgment to the nations. Um, and because of that, this last chapter reads more like a uh, one of the typical woes that we would read in in another uh, book, mm-hmm. uh, where God is basically pronouncing woes on other nations and things like that. Woe to you, Assyria! Woe to you, Egypt! And and it's it's a little bit closer to that type of language. But what happens is this book closes out, and it shows us once again after the woes. God is the one who will bless despite the shortcomings mm-hmm. of the people, you know? Yeah. Even when the people fail, even when the people don't live up to the standard that God has set, yeah. God is merciful and God is gracious. Yeah. And that's just his character is that yeah. d- despite our best efforts, God is still going to bless and God is still going to, you know, set us up to be, um, you know, much better off than we ever could have gotten on yeah. our own. Um, and that's not to say that you won't have hard times. You will have hard times. We all do. And yeah. it's, you know, it's just part of, especially the life of a believer, but just this part of life in general yeah. is that there's going to be highs and lows and, you know, learning to trust God with all of it is probably the hardest thing that we that we have to do because oh, yeah. we we all go through different struggles, you know, you know, uh whether it's stuff at work or stuff at home or health stuff or financial financial stuff or uh just hurt from past experiences or whatever mm-hmm. it is like but God uses all of that and God blesses us <clears throat> In spite of all of that, yeah, and we're we're blessed much more than we could ever even begin to understand, <laughs> especially in America. Yeah. Jeez Louise, yeah. <laughs> having having been to third world country, yeah, like we have it very well, very very good here. Yep. So, so there's the book of Joel. It's a good book. It's mm. three chapters, so you should be able to read it pretty quick. Yeah. It's a good Spend one. some time and read it this week. Do if it. You haven't already. 
Well, Anthony, will you pray for us? I absolutely will. Let's pray. Let's do it. God, we thank you for another opportunity. Uh, We're grateful that we have the freedom to sit down and openly discuss your word. I'm reminded of so many times uh, when when God's people were uh, persecuted, uh, God's people were pushed down, and and you were with Him in those times, and you are with us now. Mm-hmm. And so, God, even in the craziness of our society and in our culture, I pray that we would see and focus on you as the Redeemer and as the the one who's going to bring restoration. And and God, that we would know. Uh, your promises and that we would understand your promises and know that you are working all things for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purposes. And so I pray that you would use us as your vessels. Uh, You would uh, bless the the two crazy guys that just sit here and get to talk about this kind of stuff on a weekly basis. Um, God, that you would bless these, these discussions Um, because without you, they are nothing. They are the best that we have to offer is filthy rags. And so, God, we ask for your blessing on those. Um, God, that they would teach somebody, uh, that they would be helpful, they would be instructive, and they would help drive a passion for your word, uh, that they would drive uh, a longing to be uh, deeper in knowledge of who you are and who you have revealed yourself to be through your scriptures. Mm. And so, God, we're grateful for the opportunity. And we thank you for another chance to just sit down and talk and and uh, and learn more about who you are and who you are calling us to be. Yeah. So we thank you for this time and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if they wanted to reach us on social media platforms, where would they do that? You can reach the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Facebook. Oh, I'm doing it out of order. You can out find of order. us on Facebook <laughs> by searching Beers and Bible podcast. You can uh, e- find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. And you can email us at Beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. If you have any uh, questions, suggestions, thoughts on anything that we've discussed, um, over the last few weeks or ever really you can mm-hmm. send those to us uh, if you have any beer reviews beers you'd like for us to review um, you can do that as well you can send those suggestions to us and we may give you a shout out on the podcast if we're able to find uh, the beer you want us to review word up so that's, that's where we're at hit us well, up do that and until next week We hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open. And we'll see you later. Peace out.